Hi, this is Nichelle Nichols, and you're listening to TV Confidential. Aren't we all lucky? Well, <laughs> I guess I should speak to my mother first. She was very upset with me because I didn't go to college, but um, I want to let you know that I'm at an academy now. Ed Robertson welcoming you to TV Confidential, radio talk show about television. George Chakiris will join us in our second hour. George Chakiris, the Academy Award winning and Golden Globe Award winning actor known around the world as Bernardo in the Oscar winning screen adaptation of West Side Story. George has just released a new memoir that not only includes many stories of his life and career before, during, and after West Side Story, but walks you through the backstory of how West Side Story evolved from a conversation in Jerome Robbins' Manhattan apartment to become a multi-Oscar winning, Tony Award winning, and Grammy Award-winning stage and cinematic landmark. George Jakiris will join us in our second hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. Our first hour will include a return visit by Raymond J. Berry. Raymond J. Berry, the actor all of you know from his performances in Justified, The Shooter, Born on the Fourth of July, and many other movies and TV series. Ray's new movie, Free Bird, is a road comedy slash buddy movie that also has a lot to say about what it means to live and how it's never too late for any of us to reinvent ourselves. Raymond J. Berry will join us later on in this hour. I hope you stay tuned for that as well. In the meantime, Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us to bring us this week in TV history. Tony segment, as always, brought to us by our friends at Story Salon, Southern California's longest-running, regularly performing live storytelling ensemble. These days, new Story Salon uh, gatherings take place via Zoom once a month, roughly the last Wednesday of every month. Um, If you can't catch the Zoom cast... You can catch up on previous uh, editions of Story Salon at facebook.com forward slash Story Salon. What do you have for us this week? All right. So uh, if we are looking back at some of the people that we have lost recently, and there is a long list, I think the two that really are standing out right now would be Cicely Tyson and Cloris Leachman. And looking at uh, these two incredible women, I mean, they were like boom, boom, right next to each other. Yes, Cloris Leachman and Cecily Tyson both passed away within 24 hours of each other. Our tribute to Cloris Leachman that Tony and Donna and I recorded is available for listening on demand on the TV Confidential podcast. Cecily Tyson, what what is the first thing that comes to mind? Miss Jane Pittman. Yeah, that is... I think that introduced a lot of people to Cecily Tyson it was a CBS miniseries done in the 70s. Yeah, I don't even think it was a mini. It was just, it was an event. I think it was a three-hour standalone uh, yeah. made-for-TV movie, and I think uh, the broadcast date was 74. Okay. So we follow a woman born into slavery and follow her into her... All the way up until the end of her life. and, and... When she was over 100 years old, yes? Yes, and the, the thing I remember also was the ending of the movie was the teaser. I remember seeing <laughs> clips of her drinking from the fountain as the thing was promoted. Okay, during the Civil Rights Movement. During the Civil Rights Movement. So you had somebody who was born into slavery going all the way around. I also remember my very first drama teacher. That was the example 
he had of what an actor is. And talking about Cicely Tyson spending time with an old woman to study every little movement she made, every little nuance that she did with that character. So it wasn't just the prosthetic makeup. I heard something recently where she was talking about the voice for Miss Jane Pittman and the voice as a 90-year-old or when she got into her hundreds wasn't quite right. And the only way she could get there was before shooting, screaming at the top of her lungs, basically to to get wear out her voice and to get the rasp in it. And that's how she got there. I mean, that is, that's an act, that, that's method. That, that is a method actor. Remember her stage career? Yeah. One of those actors that could do no wrong. Tony, you use the word commitment a lot when talking about yeah. certain actors and their portrayal of certain characters. I think you could just take the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman as just one example of the commitment that she gave Cecily Tyson to every role, but particularly that role because it was, in many ways, it was the role of a lifetime. But I think it was first, the first time for me that I learned about the South in this way. You know, I did not see... That uh, aspect of yeah, the South. that aspect of the South. I was not aware, you know, I, I had heard stories from certain adults that may have, you know, been through the South at that particular time in history. But, and, you know, my brother was born in Georgia, but it was not something that, you know, was contemplated to actually see that particular moment in history being depicted and how important it was and how impactful it was. And also that this woman was born a slave and kind of that little arc of American history. That was something I don't remember ever seeing depicted on TV or in any movie. I had seen enough movies that were taking place in the good old days, and I had never seen that aspect of American life depicted. I like what you just said, uh, a history lesson. Yeah. So this was an American history lesson uh, hung against the backdrop of the life of this amazing woman. And it was broadcast 74 at a time when the medium of network television was beginning to mature in the sense that we would begin to see portrayals of subject matters dramatized in a way that we didn't always see during the first 25 years of network television as we know it. And was this pre-Roots, if this was This was three years before Roots, yeah. Okay, interesting. And before, you know, we started recording, it's essentially 1974. At that time, I was living in L.A. I had been living in L.A. for a couple of years. You really don't always appreciate what's going on in other parts of the country that, you know, L.A. was so integrated at that particular time. And it's just, you know, also unfathomable for somebody to think that any sort of separation of any groups of people even existed for me at that time, that, you know, one group would have to be here, one group would have to be there. I mean, it was just so 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 amazing but yeah it, you know that's when certain tv broadcasts were events and I, I i always look back when we would have the old tv guide and they would have the close-up segment which would be like a quarter of the page mm -hmm. when tv guide was about the same size as reader's digest which i don't even know if that's a thing anymore and when you would have a section instead of just having the description you know the time the channel uh, sentence synopsis and you know who the main star would be 
Uh, it would take a quarter of the page of focus and then a whole paragraph dedicated to this particular broadcast. And usually they would have a, a complete page advertising the show yeah. as well. I mean, but this was huge. I mean, that was an event. And I remember I did see it at home. I was actually uh, at our family friend Melindy Britt's house. And, uh, Melindy Britt, who, you, who you've got to get on this program. You keep mentioning yes. her all this time and you never, you I mean, never it, do it. You've got to get her on this program. The conversations start and the memories start flooding. I hear you. You know, these memories were not in my head when we said, okay, let's let's begin. I'm giving you a hard time. <laughs> but now the memories, yeah, and I'm, I'm there with my mom and, and Melindy and Melindy's daughters, and, and we're watching this thing now. You know, of course, there's no pausing. There's no, you know, just we were watching this thing. It was an event like watching a movie or something like that. Uh, so this was this was up there like with movies of the week and, and, and things. So, I mean, it was a big deal and it was a thing that you would talk about at school the next day not just on the playground the teacher would say okay who watched this what do you think and that's usually where we would hear the stories because i had a couple of teachers especially in elementary school that were part of uh, the civil rights movement that could bring their own take on what was happening so it was very enlightening and very mind-blowing we were talking about this also before we started recording so i'll jump a little bit 1974 a couple of months later Hank Aaron would beat Babe Ruth's record. That was also something at the time I was totally unaware at that particular age of what the man was going through at that time, the way that he was being treated, the way that, because again, I was living in LA, I was not aware that there were people out there that really didn't want this guy to beat Babe Ruth's record. And, you know, so we were at a time where a lot of that uh, was still I shouldn't say at a time when a lot of it, because we turn on the news and we still see stuff like that happening. But we were at a time where, you know, show, depicting this. But it was educating. It was enlightening us to an aspect of American life that did not, you know. It was part of Americana that I, I'm sure a lot of executives said, you know, this isn't going to sell Windex. You know, this is something that you put yeah, but, on because... But going back it was, to it got a close-up in TV Guide in addition to the full page ad, I don't, and I'm thinking aloud here, I don't know whether, you know, which movies or which episodes merit a close-up was totally a TV guide editorial decision or whether that was made in conjunction with whatever the PR people were behind it. So it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if there was some sort of network collaboration going on because yeah, we may not sell Windex, but if we get a close up in TV guide, that's going to call more attention to the special. And as I recall, it won the night. Yes. And finished among the top 10 or top 20 made for TV movies for that year. Uh, nine Emmy Awards, Actress of the Year, Best Directing in Drama, Best Lead Actress in a Drama, uh, Best Music Composition for a Special Program, Best Writing in a Drama, Outstanding Achievement in Costume Design, Outstanding Achievement in Makeup, and I'm going to throw two names, Stan Winston and Rick Baker. Whoa! Before Baker, Rick, Stan Winston, and, and Rick, Rick Baker. Baker. <laughs> uh, you know, so this is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Rick Baker. You know, this is there was no Oscar category for makeup. Uh, there wouldn't be for at least another seven years or so. 
outstanding special comedy or drama outstanding achievement in any creative technical craft. And it was nominated for a BAFTA Awards. I, yeah, I don't know what the ratings breakdown would be for different segments of the country, but this is... It seemed like everybody was watching it. I remember CBS advertising the heck out of it. It was something that in school our teachers encouraged us to watch. I was not allowed to watch television on school nights. And as I remember, it aired on a weeknight. Was mm -hmm. it, am I remembering Thursday? Am I? I think so. I think it was, was it, did it fill the uh, Walton's time slot? Uh, and the, or was it the yeah. whole CBS evening lineup? I, well, if, if it was a three hour movie, it would have been, it would have filled the entire CBS lineup. Yeah. I was allowed to watch it. So <laughs> it had to be a big deal yeah. for my parents to actually unlock the TV. I, I say that facetiously. Yeah. Uh, something of merit that we had to watch or that we were to watch in my house. Yeah. And that's when you used to have also get in TV guide, watch this with your children. Mm -hmm. you know, this was, and I'm sure there were, you know, if you didn't have the TV guide at that time, I'm sure all the local papers also would make mention. This is something that you should watch with your kids, you know, while it's on. I mean, yeah. It's a huge deal. Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us via Zoom as we remember the 1974 broadcast of the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman, the multi-Emmy award-winning made-for-TV movie starring Cecily Tyson. Cecily Tyson, the iconic Emmy award-winning and Tony award-winning Actress Cecily Tyson passed away this past Thursday, January 28th at the age of 96. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. I also wanted to bring up uh, about Cecily Tyson just because I think it shows what an amazing talent she was. Uh, a couple years later, she did host Saturday Night Live. And I remember it being incredibly funny. It was, she did a lot of stuff with Garrett Morris. And I thought also that show, that particular show was a great showcase for him. And what really stands out in my memory, and I was looking to, I was hoping that they were gonna rerun it uh, because usually NBC will run a classic SNL. But what I thought was really standing out when she hosted and Don Pardo said, ladies and gentlemen, Cicely Tyson, Garrett Morris comes on stage in drag. <laughs> and how the set looked in the 70s that there was a door and you come down a couple of steps and then you come right up to you know home base and it was you know at first you see it because it's not a close-up it's kind of further back deliberately and i remember watching with my mother and she goes that's garrett morris <laughs> <laughs> and he begins the monologue and then cecily tyson you know not is glammed, you know, just comes over there and starts yelling at me. You're like, what the hell are you doing here? And he goes, I just assumed that this was a role for me. <laughs> I just thought this was another role for me. And he says, well, what do you mean? He said, my contract says that I play anybody darker than Tony Orlando. <laughs> you know, and then she starts criticizing him and she starts listing his resume his real theatrical credits. He said, I cannot believe that you are stooping so low to doing something like this. And he goes, but I get to keep the dresses. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was really, really funny. And they did so many sketches together. But the fact that she could do that particular type of comedy, especially at that time in the 70s, somebody who was known as a dramatic actress or a dramatic actor, their people would say, no, you do not want to do this show. John Travolta was advised against it at the time of Saturday Night Fever, 
because they thought it would hurt his Oscar consideration. That really? He would not be, yeah, oh, yeah, he was told, yeah, you shouldn't do that. You know, of course, at the same time, he was still Vinnie Barbarino, yeah. which would make mm-hmm. him like a perfect candidate to do SNL to show I can do more than just Vinnie Barbarino. And, but at the same time, when Saturday Night Fever came out, they said, yeah, you know, this could hurt your Oscar consideration. But, you know, also at the same time, David Busey had done the show. And, you know, he was at the time of uh, doing the Buddy Holly story. Or Gary Busey. Yeah, I'm sorry, Gary Busey. Yeah. David Busey. Yeah, Gary Busey, yeah. D- um, David, was, but... David Busey was his lesser known brother who went, <laughs> who went the way of Chuck of Happy Days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watch, there really is a David Busey. Who, yeah. Uh... She also, about 10 years before Miss Pittman, George C. Scott Caster in a supporting role on East Side, West Side, which, again, was not a light show by any sense of the word. And as I recall, he faced some opposition for casting her, but by the force of him being George C. Scott, he prevailed on that decision. Was Was it a major role? No, she played his secretary or his administrative assistant as we recall her today but the fact that he cast a woman of color in a prominent row showing that uh women of color people of color were working behind the scenes as social workers at that time so it was it gave the show one additional uh this was 63 so this is right yeah yeah so this is right on the edge of the civil rights movement, but it added one more piece of realism to a show that is mostly remembered today for its portrayals of social ills. Yeah, it was around the time she also had done The Nurses and The Naked City. She was also a an imposter on To Tell the Truth. Oh, okay. So in her yeah. days of being a working class actor in New yeah. York City, I take it? Yeah, that she, she was doing all of that. Yeah, East Side, West Side. Uh, later on, Slattery's people, uh, I Spy, uh, Guiding Light. She did two FBI's. Two FBI's? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. One in 68 and one in 69. Medical Center, Courtship of Eddie's Father, Gunsmoke, Mission Impossible, The Bill Cosby Show, uh, Here Comes the Bride, Emergency. Uh, yeah, so she did a lot of stuff before Miss Jane Pittman. And just before that, I mean, she was in the movie Sounder. Ah, incredible performance. So she was, yeah. So, I mean, just an amazing an amazing career, you know, up to, you know, to that point, let alone. And remember, she was in The Help? Yes. I mean, heartbreaking, beautiful performance. I mean, she was already in her 90s. I mean, yeah, this is just a few years ago. And um, how to get away with murder. Yeah. I mean, the, the woman would have continued to work. The she... woman had a full career. Yeah. Her mother did not want her to be an actor. No. Yeah, it was a concern she was going to have, what, fall into what, what the story that many actors go through was afraid they'd fall into, no, you're going to end up a drug addict and a prostitute or something mm. like that. She was also uh, in uh, the special Free to Be You and Me. Oh, Marlo Thomas. Marlo Thomas. I mean, her resume on television is just incredible. I think, you know, that the autobiography of Miss Jane Pittman is going to be, you know, the thing that everybody remembers for, you know, in her career, let alone her work in television, because we haven't even gotten into the uh, big screen. Women of Brewster Place. Mm. And, I mean, and not to mention her legitimate stage work. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she also um, 
because we've talked about this in the past, Mrs. Scrooge. She is one of the many people that have done a TV movie where they've done some sort of twist on A Christmas Carol. I did not know that. I haven't seen that one, and I thought I had seen... I've seen it advertised. I thought I had seen every twist on A Christmas Carol. <laughs> because, at, you know, at that time of year, I was... If I see anything related to that, I think I've seen the Susan Lucci version and, you know... Uh, the Western version, and every version that Patrick Stewart has done. This one, I have not had a chance to see that, but she did a version where she was you know, a rich woman in, in Harlem at that time. What time period? Why am I, I thinking I, I, depression? I, yeah, I think, I'm think i thinking it is a period piece. Yeah, they have to be a period piece because there's time travel. Um, <laughs> look at it that way. That's probably why I'm such a big fan of it. Yeah, Aftershock Earthquake in New York. Does anybody remember that one? No. Was it TV? Was it, it was a... TV, yeah. She did a voice on the Proud family. Uh, oh. She did a Law and Order Special Victims Unit, but what, what, everybody, no, <laughs> if you're an actor living in New York today, it's like jury duty. Eventually, you will be doing that show. You have to. Yeah, it is like a cross, I think, a cross between jury duty and that movie Bowfinger. <laughs> there may actually be actors that they just caught at a restaurant filming yeah. them and realizing that they're going to be on next week's Law & Order special unit. Uh, House of Cards, which was just a few years ago, Madam Secretary, and uh, up until um, last year, cherished the day. So, I mean, she was going right until the end. She just finished her memoirs. And the her memoirs were, by the time this airs, they may have been published. They were on the verge of publication. So I don't know how active she would have been in terms of doing media, but I would imagine she would have because I've seen footage of her last year. Considering that most interviews are being done very much the way we are working right now on Zoom, wouldn't have to leave her home. Yeah, and so far as I know, up until the end, she was in good health and she was she was in great shape, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm happy that she lived to see the publication of her memoirs. Yeah. It would have been cool to hear her talk about it or maybe even have, a, have an opportunity to talk to her. But that's highfalutin thinking on our end. Uh, so. That's something I, for one, will be looking forward to reading. Yeah. I mean, just, just the life of an incredible performer in the 20th and 21st century. Childoftelevision.blogspot.com. Childoftelevision.blogspot.com. Also, storysalon.com. Donna's four-part novel series is now complete. Yes, it is. The last book, Fall Again Reunion, was published a few months ago. You'll see where the story finally ends. And to find out how the story begins and end, go to fallagainseries.com. Tony and Donna, we'll see you both next time. Next, next time. time. Raymond J. Barry will join us when we come back on TV Confidential. Story Salon is Los Angeles' longest-running storytelling venue. We have live shows every Wednesday in Studio City, as well as solo shows, podcasts, CDs, and several books. Los Angeles Daily News calls Story Salon Gemstones of Narrative, something new, funny, astonishing. Sunset Magazine says, Tales tall, tragic, and tantalizing. All of this makes Story Salon one of the most eclectic entertainment experiences available. You can learn more about us by going to our Facebook page or by visiting our website at www.storysalon.com. Accredited by Guinness World Records, welcome to Archival Television Audio Incorporated. 
a peerless TV soundtrack archive, preserving the audio from television's first three decades, the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, the golden and silver age of television. For more information, go to atvaudio.com. One more item if you love Cher or know someone who loves Cher, our friends at Time Life have just released a brand new collection of highlights from Cher's inimitable career that is now available at retail for the very first time. That will be the best to share, the best to share, five DVD collection packed with unforgettable music, classic comedy, and fabulous outfits. The best to share, now available at retail for the very first time from our friends at Time Life. This five DVD collection includes 10 episodes of Cher's solo variety series from 1975, featuring such guest stars as Elton John, Ray Charles, Raquel Welch, and the Muppets, plus vintage interviews of Cher, circa 1975, on the Dick Cavett Show, and Dinah, and brand new exclusive bonus interviews with Cher, Lily Tomlin, designer Bob Mackey, and producer George Schlatter. That's the best to share, the best to share, five DVD collection, the best to share, now available at retail for the very first time from our friends at Time Life. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.